Hey, this is Max, and welcome to the Ronin System Podcast. Today, I have a returning guest, first one ever, Parker Moore. Parker? Hi, Max. Thanks for uh, having me back. Yeah, man, and the reason I uh, brought you back on, you know, we're, we're good friends. We both live here in the Charlotte area, but mainly, you're... Uh, you're a little bit younger than me. I think like almost like almost a year younger than me. Mm-hmm. But you already own a house. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, you, you have a, a growing business. And that that's all you're doing right now, right? That's right. Yeah. So just, just tell me about uh, how it's been. It's been about nine months since we last, you know, since you're last on this podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been quite a learning curve, I think. Um, you know, waking up every day having the entire day truly to yourself for yourself there's no one um dictating my schedule for the first time ever uh even in school you know you had to be at classes at a certain time and um it was always answering to someone else's day-to-day mm-hmm. routine um so what's been unique is for me at, at the very beginning of all this was like okay well I got to have my own schedule like I have to force myself to get up and do this because I kind of work from home most of the time and you have to be highly self-motivated and you know i'd be lying if i sat here and said oh every day every waking second i'm very motivated to get up and go to work and and do this when my office is just down the hall um from my bed so um uh, that's been a learning curve how to do that but the company's been growing i've I've been very um hard at work putting together um uh, maybe remind listeners what we do um tux on trucks mobile tuxedo rental service so i've been working very hard with uh, supply chain kind of side of this and making sure we have um th- that set up so we can grow um we see this as something that's very franchisable if that's a word um and so really doing all the due diligence to set that up for success and now we're here in the, in the middle of prom season and college formal season and it's been it's been busy it's been fun yeah i was gonna say you know this is right around the time where like spring formals for like universe or uh, fraternities and whatnot proms weddings even mm-hmm. yeah uh, you're doing that as well mm-hmm. um and actually you know we'll, we'll just bring this up when i came in you actually gave me some news about uh your uh hometown area i guess mm-hmm with the, you want to tell us about that? Sure. Sad day for the USC Columbia, uh, South Carolina community, um, which is where I graduated from. Um, it's national news now um, where uh, a sorority, I just learned that she was in a sorority, but a student there, 21 years old, uh, hopped into an Uber late last night, I believe it was, and hasn't been uh, seen. And they actually found her body this morning. Um, very, very sad, very unfortunate. And so um, something we were kind of working through today uh, unexpectedly, of course, and tragically, but we've been working through how to uh, answer some questions that our, our customers have who maybe their their formal was canceled tonight through these circumstances or maybe been rescheduled, and some are actually holding memorial services where they'll actually wear those tuxedos. So, um, you know, working with our supplier, and they're all the way out in Memphis, Tennessee, and, um, you know, it's been wonderful to work with them. Uh, literally just called them not even an hour ago before this uh, podcast. Um uh, interview uh, to kind of see what they wanted us to do, whether we're shipping tuxedos back to Memphis and kind of giving them a fresh one in two weeks when they have a, another event or should they hold on to this tux. And anyway, just kind of reaching out to these customers saying like, Hey, we're thinking of y'all thinking of the USC community and um, don't worry about your tux. It's the last thing you need to worry about. Uh, we've had a lot of guys reaching out if they're going to have late fees and all this stuff. So, um, kind of playing that communication card and role today pretty heavily. Yeah, I mean, 
it's 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 a tragedy of course but like the flexibility of of your company essentially to be able to just react to these things especially at you know the local level because it is like you know you went to the same school mm-hmm. and you know you know a lot of those people in the area so it's it's one of those things where you really feel like the it's not really a company anymore it's more of like you know it's something there for the community right it really is and we um I, I, I at least try to every every single tux that we will deliver, we really think about who's wearing that tuxedo. You know, those are real people who are putting on one one arm at a time in the sleeve of our jackets, and um, and so you have to kind of be mindful that um, you know, they've got uh, you know, they're college students. They've got stresses that I just went through as well as a college student with you know classes but also just figuring out what you're going to be doing after college some of these are seniors some of these are freshmen who are just getting their feet wet in the whole experience so um uh yeah i try to keep that in the forefront of my mind that it's people first always and without the people you have no company yeah i mean actually another thing the main reason that i brought you on because last time we talked all about uh you know text on trucks you guys can watch that i think it's like episode 11 or something Mm -hmm. but the main reason i brought you on is because you know you are so young and you you own this house that we're in right now, right? Well, yes. The <laughs> bank the bank owns it, and they'll be happy to remind you. But I am paying the bank to eventually uh, one day. Yeah, own eventually it. <laughs> you own it. But um, sure. you know, how's how's that how's that for you? You know, how are you living? Um, good. Uh, it you know, I, I always kind of thought because you know, I after college I moved back home with the parents, and um. I was working in Charlotte and grew up in York, South Carolina. So I was driving every day into Charlotte for work and um, quite a long commute, but saved a ton of money. And um, it was, uh, you know, an experience that allowed me to save save this money to uh, either buy a house or move closer to Charlotte. And um, I was grateful that I was able to do that. Not everyone's able to do that, you know, so I was uh, certainly able uh, and grateful for that. Um but I kind of debated about, you know, do I do apartment? Do I do house? And the Charlotte real estate market across the country has been booming. But uh, the Charlotte market has been insane. And so I just got really lucky. I decided just to kind of, you know, half-heartedly search for a house to see if I could even possibly afford one. Because uh, I didn't know anything about it, you know. And, um, yeah, found found this place. And um, quiet old neighborhood. And a uh, brand new house, though, in a quiet old neighborhood. So, um uh, yeah, and I just live, did it. You live all by yourself, all by myself. Except you have well, a, and the dog. Yeah, you got Winston here. I have Winston here. It's a good thing he's not barking or anything. No, but you have a what is this? Three bedroom, three bed, two bath, and uh, a garage. And so we talked about this before, but you're really not trying to get a roommate just yet, right? No. Um. Yeah. I, 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 when I was employed and, and doing another full-time job um, at Tesla, um, certainly, you know, uh, this sounds kind of airy. Like, money wasn't quite as tight, obviously, because you have a paycheck coming every two weeks. Yeah. But then you're running your own company, and you are living on savings for a while. We're not pull- pulling any money from Tucks on Trucks at this time for ourselves. We just can't afford to, uh, and that's fine. So I just knew that I needed to... Um, to kind of live on some savings here, live on some stock money and other other things, um, to um, to see if we can make Tucson trucks really grow this spring. Uh, but I'm not naive. I know that maybe uh, by mid to late summer I'll be in a situation where I'll go out and I'll, I'll need a job at least part time 
to make ends meet because the only th- only money I have coming in right now, I've had to get creative. You know, uh, the only money I have really coming in now is actually renting out those cars on Turo. Uh, for those who don't know, Turo is like Airbnb but for vehicles. And um, so I decided hmm, that's a pretty good opportunity if I could do it right to rent out the um, three and then now two cars that I have on Turo. So. Um, and that's been helpful to to pay some bills and move things around, and it's allowed me to work on tucks on trucks, and uh, that's uh, you know paying off already with the growth we've seen. And as we get closer to the end of April, certainly May, which is crazy time. Uh, April's crazy too, but May is like prom central. Um, you know, we'll see how we do, and then we can kind of reevaluate my my own personal financial kind of standing and. Uh, what the next step may be sometime this summer. Yeah, I mean, you, you have that personal income, like or uh, passive income, I mean, right. that you're talking about with Turo. With, with Turo. Um, and actually, just on that subject, I remember, because uh, you said you had three cars, now you have two. You <laughs> want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, yeah, I had this Jeep Compass that was paid for, you know, just an older, you know, uh, kind of car. And um, I really had no intention of putting it on Turo, Um I knew I was going to buy the Tesla Model 3, and I was going to put that on Turo. Well, just to get my feet wet on how the Turo uh, system works and, you know, would people actually rent this car, and just to kind of feel out the site, you know, as a host, um, I just threw the Jeep on there for a weekend. This is well before I even had the Tesla uh, purchased. I um, I threw it on there, and it, to my surprise, people wanted to rent it. It was just $30 a day. But I couldn't believe people were wanting the car, so I thought, well, I'm not going anywhere this weekend. Let's just have, let's just let it, let's let's start a trip, you know. Let's see if this person wants it. And so they took it, and I was kind of hooked. I was kind of addicted. I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm like running a little side business, um, you know, hosting these rental drivers and getting to meet these people. And it was kind of fun because people, were, you know, I think people were, were all people. Were, the feedback I guess like, you let strangers drive your car. I'm like, well. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you hop in a stranger's car for Uber or for whatever, you know, for other things. And, um, you know, you let strangers fly your airplane to Dallas. Yeah. You know, we, we, I think we rely on strangers all the time. And so um, if Turo is going to have the insurance, which they do, to protect my car, you know, which I obviously care about, um, then, uh, you know, do it. And it's fun to meet people. So anyway, I decided to do this, and the, and the Jeep was on uh, Turo for quite a while, and it had almost well over 100 trips at one point. And um, I guess it was, what, last November, November 2018? I had one renter here who, long, long story short, um, uh, came and got the car, and the next day he's supposed to return it. His friend took the car from him. So car was in a being stolen obviously him and I both called the, the renter and myself called the police police reports filed all the stuff cars missing for about a day and a half now Turo is phenomenal I can't speak highly of it. if the car was never found Turo just essentially buys me a new car like I was not really worried about the car um, too much but um, obviously just kind of a frustrating thing because I had other renters lined up who were supposed to be driving that car so I had to kind of you know apologize and put them in a different car or whatever so that was a that was a hassle and by the way I'm still working full-time at this point I believe um, so uh, crazy stuff well two two and a half days later I'm in an uber back from the airport and I see the jeep I found my own stolen car in a parking lot at a hotel in Charlotte 
so if I of course you know freaking out you know I'm very my Sherlock Holmes and uh, uh, self found my own car it's kind of kind of crazy so I call the police you know we found the car blah 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 and um, the craziest part was I I learned a little bit more of the justice system and the legal uh, process here was the fact that because we technically knew who was in the car it can't be listed as a stolen vehicle in the state of North Carolina it has to be listed as an unauthorized user and that yes that falls under the same umbrella as stolen vehicle but essentially what that means is you can't press charges on someone if it's been labeled as an unauthorized vehicle user which you know I think that's kind of ridiculous but um that's the law. They kind of explained that to me after uh, a few uh, hours of uh, arguing about it and um, got the car back. It was kind of totaled, you know, it was kind of trashed in the interior and I was kind of spooked out, you know, by the whole experience, like this guy who took the car from his friend. It was just all kind of weird. So I ended up just kind of thinking, well, look, you know, the car's paid off. I've made more money from the car on Turo than it's actually even worth today. And, um, if I can get it, and Turo, you know, paid me some money to um, for all the inconveniences and the damages and things that were in the car. And so Turo basically wired me almost $1,000 to just go get it detailed and cleaned up. And they were hoping I'd put it back on Turo, obviously, you know, to keep yeah. renting it. Well, I got it cleaned up and then um, just sold it, um, you know, just to get, to get uh, cash. And um, so I think when I really looked at the financials of it all, I actually came out. Uh, I took a depreciating asset, a car, a vehicle, mm-hmm. paid it off seven years in advance of the loan first, mm-hmm. then put it on Turo and made more money than what I actually originally bought it for two years ago. So, yeah, I'm just kind of, it's kind of a kind of a wild financial like like financially like how how is that even possible? So I'm a huge believer in Turo. And uh, since then, I bought you know other cars and um, looking at some lease options as well because you could lease a car and then also rent it out. So if you're looking for passive income, uh, I can I can uh, tell you about Turo and you'd you'd be uh, paying your college debt off or you know because you're not only paying off the car if you have a loan on that or a lease on that, but you're making extra money that can go to help pay for groceries or whatever you need. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's just like Airbnb but for cars. Right. And, you know, I'm one of those people that like passive income, right? And I've always thought, wouldn't it be nice to have an Airbnb? But then I thought, you know, when you told me about Turo, I was like, wouldn't it be nice to have multiple cars to do Turo? Because mm-hmm. it just seems it just seems like an easier investment, yeah. especially, you know, with, with a house. Like, the house this size, it's not that big. But when you really look at it, it is, it is kind of big to maintain the entire thing right. if you wanted to do it for Airbnb. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a little bit more, I think there's more stress involved a little bit in having someone, like, stay, especially now that I work from home, like, I'm here all the time, you know, and so for an Airbnb traveler to come through here, I'm, like, going to constantly be paranoid to make sure they have the best experience possible, you know, I got to clean that bathroom, I got to change the sheets, I got to, and suddenly I become this housemaid in my own house Mm -hmm. for someone who's paying me $35 to stay here for the night. Well, I'd rather make sure the car's clean and I can run it through Sam's Express in five seconds and drop it off at the airport and they can get it. Still providing a great experience, still takes some of my time, you know, to make sure it's a good experience. But I'm not having to like, I'm not feeling the pressure of like always having to meet them for one and to have to like, 
you know, truly host them yeah. um, to make sure that's a good experience, you know? Yeah. So it's a car. I mean, it's, um, people know how to drive, so they should. So um, it's it's the most passive way, I think, to make money off of something you already own. Uh, and that's why I like it over Airbnb. Yeah, especially in this area, you know, you Charlotte's a pretty big city. It's a growing city. But I don't see Airbnbs being very popular around here just because we have so many hotels. Yes, and um, it, 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 what I found on Airbnb, because I, I, I did look into it, um, you have a lot of places who, that are renting out full entire homes, especially Lake Norman area. Everybody wants some lake retreat house for their family. So that's that's very popular, but not a whole lot of people in the Charlotte market, at least I found, were renting out a room in their house. I use Airbnb all the time, and let me tell you, I will never stay in someone's house with them in it, like unless it's like a separate apartment that's like yeah, their basement. Like a guest house. I've done that, like a guest house that's maybe attached, or that's fine. But like, just the room down the hall, no, 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 no. So I always check the box entire place. And I feel like most people do that. I I don't know. But there's not a lot of options in the Charlotte area for um, single rooms inside someone else. So, um, yeah, I I just I really like Turo a a lot. Yeah, one actually the first and only time I've ever done an Airbnb was when I went to uh, New Orleans this uh, just just last month. And let me tell you, like that it was it was a pretty big house. Um, obviously in New Orleans, but they didn't have a garage or anything, mm-hmm. and they had pretty high reviews. That's why that's why I took it. And every single room, like I'm talking bathroom, bedrooms, like the living room and the kitchen, even though it's the same room, they all had a little kind of like a placket with a list of everything in the room. Yeah, you know, like this is how many pillows, this is how many sheets, towels, light bulbs. Like it was, it was everything. I was like, man, this. This is crazy. And it was supposed to be for uh, 14 people. Wow. That's how big the house was. And one thing I will say, though, is is they were a little tricky with it because they listed uh, seven beds, when in reality, it was five beds and two futons. Mm-hmm. And they were not really big futons. <laughs> but it worked out because, you know, most of us didn't really sleep that much. So, you know, we were out a lot, obviously, in New Orleans during uh, Mardi Gras. But... Yeah, I, I just couldn't imagine like cleaning that. It's like even such a, even a smaller house, it was still a lot, a lot. Yeah, I find that um, most people who have those entire places, apartments, things like I was in, I've stated it Airbnb many times. And um, in Atlanta, one of my hosts, she actually had like six apartment complexes or six um, apartments within one complex. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, I actually work as a flight attendant, and I'm in Australia most of the time. But I'm here in the States, and I'll be happy to meet you personally. Normally, I have my friend, you know, Randy do it or whatever and to, for the key handoff. And then some places don't even have key handoffs. It's just like you type in the code on the door. Yeah, we had a, we had a key, yeah. key code. And, um, and that's great, too. But I was like, wow. So And I was like, so who, you know, who cleans this? So she actually, you know, Airbnb has that cleaning fee you know, that you can set as the host and um, they'll pay cleaning services to come in. They'll schedule them out. You know, you're going to come in after this changeover of, um, mm-hmm. of guest. And uh, I was like, wow. So pe- people really do run, uh, you know, 
their own business through Airbnb, having multiple leases on multiple apartments all within one city or multiple cities in some cases. And uh, some people do it for a full-time job. That's their whole... Just a franchisee. That's their whole show. Um, So kudos to them, I think, uh, to kind of segue into one topic I guess we can go into. I'm a huge believer that everybody... I hear this a ton as I travel and speak and stuff for... um, I was just at USC for an entrepreneurship competition. Everyone always tells me that they want to be an entrepreneur or they want to own their own company. I hear it all, I hear it literally every day. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you can. Well, I don't have an idea. I don't care. It doesn't, you don't need it. Like, you can be entrepreneur, entrepreneurial in your day-to-day job at wherever that is. It could be the most boring, mundane job ever. In fact, the more boring it is, the more opportunity, I think, there is for a way to be more entrepreneurial. Because uh, you can find ways to make the system better, um, and uh, yeah, I, I I was going somewhere with that. I think that everyone is able to, uh, if you're creative enough and if you're desperate enough, you will find ways to um, just think of something outside the box and apply it to your own your own life. And it could be something that just you want to use. You know, this would make my life easier. You're not even thinking about customers. You're thinking more about yourself. And honestly, that's how Tux on Truck started. I was frustrated with the tuxedo industry, having to drive 30 minutes just to go to a tux rental store. Mm-hmm. 30 minutes back, 30 minutes there. It's two hours. Two hours total driving time. And I didn't wear the tux for two hours. I thought, well, I'm not the only one doing this. I can't be the only one frustrated. So it wasn't until way later when I thought, wow, well, people might actually like this. Um, I just thought of the idea just for myself so um that's my soapbox on how everyone should be everyone can be an entrepreneur you really can um and the bit the biggest thing is just to keep asking questions i mean the the main thing here is like i mean you could just watch shark tank and realize that everyone has i wouldn't call it a stupid idea but they have they have an idea right mm-hmm. and obviously like the success rate of those ideas is like point zero 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 one percent but the main issue the main thing is you have to solve a problem first right there there has to be a need right and obviously you know everyone everyone's gonna need or every guy's gonna need a tux eventually at some point in their life you know whether it be for the i don't know the day they get married or you know if they have to attend some big event you know they're, they're gonna need a tux at some point and so you're solving an issue and you're doing it in a very creative way I think so So many times, even on Shark Tank, people will get to that level and they. I think they put them on there just for the teaching moment. You know, Kevin O'Leary or someone just is like, well, you've, you've created a really fancy product for a problem that doesn't exist. And you see that nine times out of ten with engineers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Engineers overthink. And we all need engineers. I like engineers. Nothing wrong. But... Um, that kind of mind that an engineer has is always thinking about the tiny details in something, which is good, which is great. But um, sometimes you get a, if they're developing a product, it gets so caught up in the you know the coolness of the product, where it's like, okay, well, are we are we actually solving something here? Is this sellable? And that's where you need some business marketing sales people, like. I would consider myself more of a sales-minded person. 
where I'm looking at that product and saying, well, that ain't going to fly off the shelf ever because I don't even understand what it does. Mm-hmm. And the engineer's freaking out. Oh, this, and they get all excited about this certain idea. I was actually just a judge at an entrepreneurship competition. Oh, really? Th- this week at University of South Carolina. And um, I went down to see the final pitches. I was one of the early round judges creating business plans. And then uh, there's over probably 40-something applicants and then four companies pitch and over $50,000 of um, of uh, real money is uh, given to these college students. And uh, years ago, um, I was involved different company. We won a segment of that um, company um, competition. That's so why I was invited back to be a judge. Anyway, um, yes, same story there where you had we had students from the engineering school develop a wonderful device that you could set. I mean, fantastic technology. You could set it down on the floor anywhere in your house, about a 2,000 square foot home, and it can pick up and track all movements. Like if I dropped a pin on the floor, it would it would sense that, and on their computer software side, it would show kind of the seismograph of the pin hitting the floor. Now, you're thinking, what is this for? Well, they're actually going to apply this uh, to elderly um, nursing homes, uh, uh, mm. uh, people falling, and how oh. it can predict. The software is so smart, it predicts high-risk uh, uh, people for high risk of falls because it tracks their gait mm-hmm. as they walk. And it's such a sensitive technology, and they've put in more and more AI uh, in this where they can um, basically monitor what your steps kind of look like before you actually end up falling based on how your feet quickly hit the ground versus how they'll, you know, the the the, um, the force they'll hit the ground in. Anyway, so they have been testing this model out, and they've, they've proven it. it works, and they actually have a few nursing homes actually on this trial with them, and, you know, it's great. Um, but you could tell when time came for that, the business kind of questions, like how are you going to sell this? You know, is this something you plan on rolling out? Is this something that could be used in a security kind of feature? Um, how does it differentiate between... Um, something else falling in the house. Is it going to, you know, all the, all the kind of questions yeah. like that. A little disconnect there because both of these guys are highly smart engineers studying kind of uh, the audio quality of this and then also building the software for it. But there was no real sales plan for this just, just yet. I mean, it was, it was there, but it wasn't, you could tell it, it wasn't that wasn't the strength yeah. at least. So, um, you know, I encouraged them. I was like, look, product's amazing the technology is ridiculously good and you've got something here that i don't think anybody else has you know so um but they needed that sales kind of mind to join the team so my point is when you're if you create something pull in other people who can uh provide different perspectives and um take it to the next level yeah you always need two sides to the coin right like i always i like to think that everyone in the world are creative Right. We're all creative, but we're just creative in different ways. Like one person could be creative in terms of marketing or sales, but then they're not really, you know, they're not really engineers. But then the engineer is really creative in terms of making, um, what was it called? You remember what it was called? Like that little sound device? Oh, or um, the company is called Asset. And um, yeah, I guess it's, that's, that's the thing. Like, I don't know how you would. With the device that they developed, like there's no name. Yeah, for like, it. like it's a ground de- audio motion, detec- motion yeah. sensor, something like that. Kind but of. Yeah, like they could do things like that. Right. But then you just need like a marketing mind 
to figure out a good marketable name. Mm-hmm. Like, what's it called? The asset? Asset. That, I mean, yeah. I don't know what to think I when I hear that. You know, names are very important. Um, you know, we'll just go back to Tucks on Trucks. Yeah. It's if, li- if I say the name, yeah. it literally is what it is. Mm-hmm. People don't have to think about it. I understand not every company, you know, um, large companies have the ability to just be well known. You know, no one knew what Boeing is. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, or maybe they do. Maybe Boeing says plane in German, or I don't, I don't know. But um, you get my point. Nike, things like that, that have nothing to do with shoes and apparel. Um, so yeah, you gotta bring in people who can take companies to the next level. So um, that's exciting. But the 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 thing is, have an idea and don't be afraid to do something with it. Yeah, always always uh try and. Try and make your, your idea a reality, right? Like, I mean, I wouldn't call this a business by any stretch of the imagination, but it was just an idea I had, like, let me just get some microphones and start talking, and I just did it, you Yeah, know? and if you have to have the passion for it. If Oh, for sure. I don't have the passion to start a podcast. I don't, um, but I appreciate people who do, and... Um, People can smell when they are in a, even even if you're in a store and someone doesn't like their job, can't you immediately tell? You're at a restaurant, yeah. the waitress hates her job. Mm. You can immediately tell, you know? And so I think people have a really good sense of, are these people in it for the right reason? Are they in it because if they even like this? And um, I have found that people will rent a tuxedo from us because they like us. Mm-hmm. They like the story. They like Jonathan and myself. They like you know what we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish, um, and they'll just give us a shot just because it's a cool story. Um, and so I think that if you sell yourself a little bit more, you'll be able to, uh, to kind of uh, you know, people like people. Yeah. And so yeah. that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, I mean, you know, like the. It is. It is a. It is a great story, you know. And it's a good idea, you know, the tux on trucks thing. But another thing, you know, like you were saying, actually, I just want to stick on that was to sell yourself. Like, it sounds bad when you say it. You got to sell yourself, but it's true. You know, you you have to sell yourself. Like, there's always going to be that first impression, and that's where you're literally selling yourself to whatever you're doing. Like, it could be a job interview. It could be meeting people out in you know out in the field or whatever like making new friends even you know in, in school you know you, you got to sell yourself to like the the faculty to the staff be like oh this is a good kid this is a bad kid you know and, and you got to be conscious of what you're doing and what you're saying right i would just always think about being in the audience when i'm even when i'm up in front of the audience i think about the audience sitting there watching me how many times have i sat in an audience someone gets on the stage and within the first 30 seconds I've already figured them out you know yeah I'm either entertained or they're funny or they're boring and they're they look scared and I'm not like judging them it's just like you just you just naturally think like oh he's terrified yeah and that's it and then you kind of tune them out or you're thinking about lunch or you know whatever's going on for the rest of the day and so the first 30 seconds of whether that's in person or whether that's a phone call even uh, I was always told I was the university ambassador at USC kind of the campus tour guides 
and uh, even on a phone call, we were trained to smile. And like, well, why? They're not in front of you. They're on the phone. But studies show that when you're talking and you smile, people can hear your smile. They can almost like see you smiling through the phone. They can almost picture it. And this is so, um, I think, cool um, and important when you're trying to have an engaging conversation with someone on the phone. Um, You know, I like hanging up phone conversations and thinking that was good, especially when you're trying to sell something to somebody. Absolutely important. Uh, Because if you sound boring and mundane, uh, they're not listening. And that's the same thing on the stage, too. If you're going to stand in one place, I hate that. People hop on a giant stage and they don't even walk around. Don't walk around too much, but walk around. Yeah. Look at the people in the front row. Look at the people in the back row. Um, If you're just going to stand in one place, uh, it's boring. Let me tell you something. I was watching Netflix the other night, as I always do, and I'm a huge stand-up comedian kind of fan. Um, Love it. Love people like Jim Gaffigan and uh, Jerry Seinfeld, some of these classics, you know. And um, I was watching Nate Burr something. I don't. I can't pronounce his last name. Burkakis or something strange. Burr. Anyway, but I was also watching Jimmy Carr. Have you heard of Jimmy Carr? Yeah. Out of London, mm-hmm. you know the British guy. Very unique style of humor because it's just like punchline. He, he's what I would call like a popsicle joke writer. Just one one quick witty stuff. But he doesn't move. He stands in one spot the entire show, literally just stationary. And that's his that's his style. I get it. That's that's the, that's the show. But you know, if there's a string of jokes that aren't as funny, or you're not catching them, or it's too much British humor, I, I don't know, because it's very Brit British humor, mm-hmm. um, kind of Monty Python esque kind of. <laughs> It, it can get boring because he's not moving at all. And yeah. if you just watched an episode of Kevin Hart and oh, he's yeah. out there, you know, uh, throwing things off the stage and running around the stage and uh, actively funny, um, it's, not, it's not about funny or not. It's more about is it entertaining? And uh, anyway, that's my whole spiel on move. You got to be active on stage, I think. If, if you get up there and stand, stand still, uh, people start to lose interest. Yeah, one thing um, I will say, though, especially with, like, the standing still thing, I hate when speakers do that, comedian or not, because, like, especially comedians, you know, if you stand still, you're you're not painting a picture for me, right? Like like right. you said, I was going to mention Kevin Hart. When he actually does a stand-up, he actually, you know, he he's acting the scene along with it. Like, when he talks about... Um, can't remember what it was. He was in a club, and then they were in a car, and he's literally sitting down, pretending like he's driving while he's telling the story. And like that, that's painting a picture for me, right? Correct. And yeah. so then you have like public speakers, like um, I mean, the first one that comes to mind is Elon Musk, who literally just kind of stands there with his hands in his pocket, <laughs> and like every now and again, he'll maybe like take his hand out to point at something. But if you're a speaker or anything, I think the best thing you can do is, you know, don't start walking around. Is start using your hands, you know. You you want to be like Ricky Bobby. You don't know what to do with your hands. <laughs> so just start doing anything with them, you know. Just start circling them, pointing at things. It's a personality fit, too. I think that uh, some of us are better at it than others. I think I like to think I'm great at it, but I think we all are good at picking up on people's personality. Uh, I'm tall, freakishly skinny, and I'm very good at self-deprecating jokes. You know, if I can laugh about myself, you know, and I get the crowd to laugh at me, literally, and they know I'm just being picky on my on my own appearance or whatever the case may be, then 
I break the ice and I immediately don't sound um, preachy, kind of. Yeah. It, it depends on the topic, of course. Yeah. My point is, like Elon, for example, he is this nerdy, engineering, kind of socially awkward geek, br- brilliant, genius, but kind of this socially awkward geek. Everyone knows that about him. And so it's almost endearing when you see him on stage and he's unveiling the Model Y and he can barely say, you know, a sentence without um and you know, he's not this professional speaker. Mm-hmm. We can turn it to politics. Look no further than our president. Yeah. Same exact stuff. People are tired of hearing the the political answer to these politicians and they don't give you any answer and it's well the budget this year and the something something committee people are like blah they they don't start to listen but you get trump out there and there's others but trump certainly the loudest um who don't talk that way and are more direct and uh it's just how he he's being himself Mm -hmm. and so there's this sign of like and you can hate him but there's this endearing side of it where you're like well i'll give him this He's being himself. Yeah. And that goes back to just selling yourself. People will buy into you. And if it is the shy, timid Elon Musk kind of um, socially awkward side, own it. He's doing it. People like him for that. And it fits his space. But um, it, it largely depends on your audience. If you're trying to sell something to somebody in the business world, I think, you have to be engaging, even if it is, if you are socially awkward and you're shy, at least be funny or something. Like something has to be engaging at some point. Yeah, I mean the a good comparison there uh, between Trump and and Elon is, mm-hmm. you know, Trump, like you said, he's being himself, but he's also he's he's attuned to it, right? Like if you ask him a question, he'll answer the question in a different way, right? And so Correct, it leaves yeah. you with more questions. But then when you have someone like Elon, you ask him a question, he's not even answering the question. So you still have the same question like, um, you know, Joe Rogan. He was Mm -hmm. on Joe Rogan's podcast not Mm -hmm. too long ago. And if you watched it, you know, Joe would be asking him, like, how do you have time to run SpaceX and Tesla? And Elon would say something like, you know, I met uh, met this one guy. He's, he's, He's a great guy. He's on my team. And, you know, we share a lot of ideas. You know, he just kept going on and on. And Joe's like, you did you didn't answer my question, right? Mm-hmm. And so it'd just be like, he, he's just socially awkward, you know? And, and and going back to what we said earlier about having two, uh, two sides to the coin, it's weird that he is both both sides, but in a bad way, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a, he's a smart guy, but not not a, guild, not a really good salesperson at all. I right. mean, just look at his tweets. But he's also he requires other people on his engineering team to to do the you know like the heavy lifting like JB Strabell, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, um, we live in a world where everyone has this megaphone in their pocket, you know. And Twitter's definitely that megaphone. It can be really good, um, but people do smell authenticity through even a tweet and so it's important to um you know depending on the the situation everyone uh and what you're trying to get across but um gotta be authentic yeah let's um i totally we totally got lost on the on the topic there but let's get back to the house because <laughs> sure <laughs> that was the original topic um one question though i do have is how often do you clean this place <laughs> Um, 
well, how often do I clean it or does the Roomba run across the floor? <laughs> the Roomba uh, does most of the cleaning around here. Um, uh, I don't know. Maybe every two weeks I'll do like a real deep clean. You're cleaning mm-hmm. the toilets and the showers yeah. and stuff like that. But yeah. Interesting. I mean, because this place is not cluttered at all. I mean, there's like, there's well, a very countable amount of stuff in here. Yeah, I think when I was first moving in here, I was like, do I even have enough furniture and stuff, you know, house yeah. things to even fill this house? And um, <laughs> yeah, I do. But I think it's a night, you know, it's a, it's a three bedroom and I'm using every single room mm-hmm. and, and all these cabinets in this kitchen, like half of them have nothing in it. Um, so there's, I, there's places to put things where it doesn't want cluttered, I guess. Now, don't go to my office currently. Uh, it's pretty cluttered because, you know, tuxedo season. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's large enough to, like, spread everything out and hide things away where it, I feel that it doesn't, it's not, yeah, it's not too cluttered. Yeah, especially because, you know, you're a single bachelor living by yourself. Yes. Only, only room Partying that you have up. is a dog, you know. Yeah. And, like, you know, he's not, like, a high, high-maintenance dog. <laughs> well. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's just so interesting because, you know, some guys you'll meet, they're just, they're just absolute pigs. No, I'll be honest. You know, they, they don't know how to clean to save their life. Mm-hmm. Like like uh, our friend Mike. You know, he's <laughs> not, not very clean at all. Hi, Mike. <laughs> but then, you know, when you look at this place, like, do you, do you, can you imagine having a roommate that, wasn't at the same no i mean i had roommates of course all the way through college yeah. i lived in a dorm room freshman year that was the size of this table and so any like if you had your shoes that you just took off and left them in the middle of the floor you will be tripping over them in the next two <laughs> minutes because you can't walk around them yeah and so uh poor sam sam was my excellent roommate my freshman year and he understood how clean i was and he probably would admit he's not as clean but in a place like that like you almost had to be because your stuff would have been everywhere mm-hmm. even if it was somewhere and um so what changed of course you know sophomore year junior year senior year you're in an apartment and then senior year we're in a house you know, you have your own room and then the kitchen and, you know, uh, and living room is co- co-shared space. Those spaces are always kind of clean because yeah. no one's ever really in them. <laughs> um, everyone's in their room. I'd go upstairs to one of my roommate's room or whatever, and it's you smell it before you walk into it. Never a good sign, <laughs> to me at least. Yeah. But I don't care. Like, you know, like I said, I'm not going. Yeah, in college. To, I, I, well, I'm not going to his room. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I have my room. I have my, my space. And then when... I'm in the kitchen, it's clean. And when I'm in the living room, it's clean. And you're never really fighting over it. It's not something I'm like, you must be clean, you know. But um, I know that I can't function if everything doesn't have its spot in its place. And this is even true for, like, even my garage. <laughs> I have a I have a shelf stocked full of, like, car cleaning supplies. And I, like, arrange them in such a way where you would think you'd walked into AutoZone. <laughs> like they're not just stacked up in there they're in lines stacked deep i have i have stuff that like the one bottle's halfway empty i have the next bottle ready to go right behind it uh <laughs> stacked behind it so um probably a little ocd probably a little crazy but uh it works yeah i mean you know you say like ocd but like have you have you uh you ever hear of a marie kondo Yes. Japanese Lee. Have you seen her Netflix special? I, I've only seen one episode. My sister is absolutely uh, insane about this uh, show and is always giving me 
you know, it tips on whatever she's yeah. done in her show. I mean, that's that's the. I think everyone should watch that. I was yes. actually talking to uh, another guy, Ron Ron Banks, who's a minimalist. And we're talking about Marie Kondo a little bit, and it's interesting because I'm I'm kind of a neat freak. Like if you actually go to like my apartment or anywhere, everything has its place. Like you know, and like there's always extras of those things. But just, I mean, I I think just watching her series, you can improve on what you're already doing, and then this place will really look like empty. You know, like all you really have is that weird wood metal thing <laughs> just hanging on the wall and that's that's literally it hey i'm trying to find wall decor that was one of those that's my uh hobby lobby purchase no i actually bought that because um of that wood mantle that's below the tv there and um this this house is on pine pine drive or something like that and um and it's got like this you just needed some pine well it's funny because <laughs> like there's this pine the builder was like yeah you know we figured we put this uh like the front porch has like um post, you know, it's like, oh, it's real pine for pine drive. Oh, that's kind of cool. And he goes, yeah, and there's real pine below. I was like, they're pulling in pine all the way through the house. Anyway, so I, f- I found that kind of wooden metal decor thing. Hobby Lobby. I was like, oh, well, that kind of ties in with the mantle. I don't know. I'm not some interior designer. I just thought it looked cool and slapped it on the wall. If there's no, there's not a lot of thought in process. <laughs> I would have thought that's from uh, Target. No, Hobby Lobby. Half this house is Hobby Lobby, I think. Really? So oh, you don't, yeah. You, you didn't even look at like Target or Ikea or anything? Um, No, although I will probably look at Ikea for um, uh, new bar stools that we're sitting on currently because these suck. But Dude, Ikea is the place. Man. Yeah, That's Ikea the is the place. Ikea is definitely the place. It's just, um, yeah, smaller decor stuff. Not quite furniture, but just, you know, knickknacks on the counter over there. Um. Uh, Hobby Lobby is my is my jam. I never figured, man. If you go to uh, me and B's place, B's my girlfriend, by the way. I don't think I ever mentioned that on the podcast, like ever. It's forty five episodes deep, still have never mentioned her name. <laughs> Hi, B. Yeah, but um, if she even listens to your podcast, so she sometimes, her. sometimes okay. actually, it's, it's it's really weird because I I talk to her every day, so she doesn't really <laughs> need to listen to it. Well, good. But anyway, you know, our apartment is actually loaded with only two stores, well, three if you count food. But only two stores, Target and Ikea. Like, that's Mm -hmm. all we shop at because, you know, all we need is simple stuff and we need simple stuff that works and lasts for a long time. And only place that does that, Ikea and Target. Well, we go to Target just because we like Target. But, you know, Ikea is the the spot. 47. I believe we'll be talking for 47 minutes. Wow. Yeah, it's a long time. You got any other topics? Anything you want to mention? Maybe a little bit of Winston stories? Talk about running. Yeah. Half yeah. marathon. You actually, uh, yeah, you signed up for a half marathon, didn't you? Yes. I would like to think that I um, am a frequent half marathon runner. I used to be at least. I ran one every spring for like five years in a row. And then for the past, well, four or five years now, I've ran zero. So... I'm back at it this spring, first first race uh, in a while, and doing some training, and um, it's been fun. It's a good escape for me running. Yeah. Um, with everything going on with Tucks on Trucks, it certainly can get stressful, mm-hmm. and so it's nice just to get out and uh, it's quite a self confidence booster too. And I'm not someone with like low self confidence all the time, although um, 
find that um, it, it, could, it could get that way with, um, you know, what's going on in Tux on Trucks world. But um, yes, just getting out on the road and running for an hour and a half is there's something numbing about it. <laughs> you run in the neighborhood? No, I um, typically I, I like trails a bit, um, whether that's a paved trail or it's just like dirt and woods. Um, but I hate running loops. I need a long out and back kind of course. Is there a park around here? Yeah, I'll go out to McAlpine Park. Oh, that's that's like thirty minutes. Yeah, it's out there toward um, Matthews area, but that's a great spot to run. But you can't really do more than like a five or six mile run there. At least no. I can't without getting bored. Mm-hmm. But it's a great course if you need to run a quick three miles or if you're trying to actually race something. Um, many cross country races I ran out there in the past in high school and stuff were were held there. But um. Yeah, and there's um, not too far from here. There's like a local little middle school that has a track they never ever use, and you could just park there, hop the fence, and go run. So, um, well, I don't hop the fence; it has a gate that's open. But um, yeah, so a nice little track for some speed workouts if you needed to to run, you know, four hundreds over and over and over. You ever thought about uh, just straight up working out, doing some weight training? I absolutely hate the gym. I'm, I get too <laughs> bored. And I'll do some core, I'll do some push-ups or whatever, but some sit-ups, but like that's as fancy as I'll get. I get so bored. In high school, we would have, like in the summer for cross-country, we would have like gym days. You know, we're actually in the gym. Now it's cross-country. Okay, we're talking like, you know, a few bench presses and nothing fancy. But... um I, I, I would much rather run 10 miles than spend an hour lifting weights. I cannot stand it. I'm the exact opposite. I, most people are the opposite. I would much rather, I would rather run sprints than do, and I hate, I cannot yeah. sprint. I'm a six foot five, a lanky white kid. I cannot sprint to save my life. But I'd rather run sprints than know that I have to power clean some some <laughs> weight that I can't lift, you know. Um, no, I have no patience for the gym, but... Um, I appreciate people who do because I think there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, similarities in um, in just the mindset of runners and just your gym rats because you don't always see results first, mm-hmm. but when you do, you're addicted, yeah. and, like a healthy addiction. Yeah. When you and I get that I get that way too. I guess you know, you're doing like you know I'll do you know 300 push-ups per day for a week straight. You start to see some results, kind yeah. of. You feel, you even feel the results after like a week of that, you know, like, wow, you're doing some serious stuff. And it can get a little addicting, but I'm more that way with running. I know that when, like, like last week, I could not run six miles uh, to save my life. And then this week, I just ran six miles at a PR pace, mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, oh, absolutely. And you, and you kind of have that, that mind, the adrenaline kicks in, and you're like, oh, this is great. So there's some similarities there. No, no offense to gym rats, but, um, yeah, I just don't have the patience for it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why this topic keeps coming up, but addictions, like you were saying, I'd rather prefer to call it an obsession. You know, some people are just obsessed with running. Like a friend of mine, she'll run. She's ran like, she runs like three marathons a year, right? And she's not like a great runner, but she does it just for like the adrenaline, like you were saying. But, you know, I I, I wouldn't call myself a gym rat, but I like the gym. You know, I like I like lifting weights. Um you ever thought of doing any like any other like alternative exercises and alternative workouts like uh you know martial arts? Oh God, <laughs> um, no. In fact, when you said alternative, you probably saw my face. I was like, "What is he talking about?" I don't martial arts and even nine round kickboxing, whatever. In that, I don't even think about those things. I I guess I could try it, but like 
it never naturally crosses my what mind. What about the rec league, like sports? Just yeah, soccer sports, yeah, or something? Anything like that? Um, you no. get, get a little team together? When I think rec league, I think of myself as a sixth grade student. <laughs> um, you know, I do, because I played a bunch of, I mean, I played everything. Um, you know, I'm blind in one eye or legally blind in one eye, so baseball wasn't exactly my thing. Uh, when you strike out in t-ball as a kid, you know you're not going to make the major leagues. Um, but, um, yeah, so it just... Uh, no, short answer. I don't really think about <laughs> rec league sports. I do wish, though, that I went to a high school in the north sometimes, and that sounds strange. But I, what I mean is, in high school sports up in northern states, they tend, even as south as Virginia, I think, they have men's volleyball. Yeah. I love... They didn't have volleyball? But they, no, we, volleyball does not exist in high school really? sports. Absolutely not. Not in South Carolina, at least. Um, south Carolina High School League does not recognize that as a sport interesting yep um so i love volleyball i'm very good at volleyball and i will absolutely watch every single game on espnu and when they have the well, men's I mean, you're you're six five you don't even need to jump no i stand there i love it but you can watch like <laughs> penn state and you know ohio state and you know the, penn state seems to be like a really good team stanford mm-hmm. and they're playing uh men's volleyball championships on espnu i will watch every second of it i mean yeah, that's so interesting. Volleyball? Yeah. Why not? Don't have it. And uh, lacrosse is actually just now starting to get popular in South Carolina high school sports. But it's, mm. there's many, like um, like where I'm from, like if you're in Clover High School and you want to play lacrosse, your team wants to get somebody in the schedule. You might have a few teams locally, Fort Mill, whatever, but everybody else is down in Charleston. Mm. No Columbia School, no, no, nothing nearby. So it's very tough for the high school league to come across and say, okay, well, here's your region. And it's hard to draw those region lines. And then you're having massive schools like Wando play tiny schools like, well, Clover's not exactly tiny, but, you know, smaller than Wando. Yeah. And so it's, it's tough to create the tournament brackets. It's tough to have schools afford it. They got to get buses. There's a lot of, my dad's an athletic director. So yeah. I start, I, I get in these conversations quite a bit just through him. And um, it's tough to organize it. Yeah, especially because actually we tried to start a lacrosse team uh, in my high school, my senior year, and the stupidest thing was we we got the coach and we got everything, we got the athletic commissioner ready to go and all that, but it was entirely made of seniors, so like the very next hmm. year, there would have been no team, right? And so, you know, it's just, and the weirdest thing was, you know, if if anyone is from the Richmond area here, you'll know that like. No school there has a swimming team when you just drive like 30 minutes north and all of a sudden everyone has a swimming team. But yeah, that volleyball, like I, I don't understand. Like logistically, I, I know swimming because you need swimming pools, you need lap pools. <laughs> Everybody's got a gym and yeah. I can go buy a Wilson volleyball it, for $12. That doesn't make any sense. Maybe like a, I can't even think of a sport that you couldn't do down here. Yeah, they don't do it. it doesn't, I, I guess for like, you know, the North. I met kids in college, yard. you know, who come from, you know, some high school in New Jersey or whatever. And they're like, yeah, I played men's field hockey. And I'm like, what? Yeah, we don't, in we high school, in high school. I'm like, was this some private school? Like, no, public school or whatever. I'm like, oh, interesting. Water polo. Literally, I've met people who have water, water polo. polo. I mean, that's like, I think all the Olympic sports, there's at least one high school in the U.S. that has one of those, one of those uh, teams or, or, or associations or whatever. That's just so interesting. It's kind of blows my mind. 
volleyball. Well, anyway, guys, um, let's see how long we've been going. We've been going for about an hour. Um, and just in case you guys are wondering, the last episode I had, actually we recorded for about almost two hours. But the actual episode was a little over an hour, like an hour and 15, 20 minutes. I do a lot of editing, guys. Some of this isn't going to be in the episode. So when I say random times, don't listen to that. I'm just I'm just trying to talk to Parker here and, and get gauge what what uh, what else we can talk about. But anyway, Parker, you have anything else you want to talk about? I don't know. I don't think so. All right. I think we're good then, right? Yep. You got any sign offs? Shout outs? Uh hey, I wouldn't be an entrepreneur if I didn't start selling. If you need a tuxedo and <laughs> you're in a wedding or your friends in a wedding or you are in college and you're going to a college formal. Or if you're a high school student and you somehow stumbled upon Max's podcast on, where do you post this? I, everywhere. iTunes, Google everywhere. Play. Yeah. He posts I'm on this. Spotify, too. He's on Spotify. Hello, Spotify. If you need a tuxedo, check us out. TuxOnTrucks.com. That's T-R-U-X Trucks.com. That tuxedo can be sent straight to your house. All you do is answer some basic fitting questions about your height, weight, shoe size, and our fitting algorithm does the rest. TuxOnTrucks.com. Yeah, I'll, I'll post a link in the description. There we go. Yeah. I'm on everything, actually. Like, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. Like, you name some sort of station, I'm on it. I'm on Pandora. Wow. Yeah, I don't don't think anyone listens on Pandora. I don't know how they even do it, but I'm on Pandora. Um, But, yeah, anyway, guys, that's uh, that's Parker Moore right there. Check him out, Tucks on Trucks. He's a, uh, how are you, 24? I just turned 25. Yeah, just turned 25. Yes. Already a homeowner, already an entrepreneur. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Oh, one thing I did want, you, want to ask you before we actually head out is, um, you you ever think of Ubering? Do you Uber? No, I, I, did, I actually did create an account as a driver or whatever, and I'm like officially ready to go. Um, well, now I'm sure it's expired. I got to re-up paperwork. But um, I was going to do it, long story short. Uh, and then I decided I found Turo. And I was like, well, wait a minute. I can make passive money and not be in the car. And it's just, can I feel comfortable having strangers drive my car? And after more research, I was like, yeah, I can, especially when I'm going to bring in X amount of money. So, You never thought of doing like off season, like, no. you know, like maybe in like the winter time when there's less events? No, because I I like driving, but I hate driving for other people. You hate having, yeah. Like if like if I just like I would love more than anything right now to just hop in the car and drive to like Hanging Rock State Park, two hours away, yeah. beautiful place. You've never been, you gotta go. Well, well, you got a Model Three, so it's easier. Yeah, it's easier. But you know, I just like driving. I do road trips all the time. Um, but I think if I was driving other people around place to place, point A to point B, I would end up hating driving. So uh, especially with like Uber and Lyft, you got to like talk to them. You got to provide certain things. Yeah, you don't want that five star rating. You don't well, I don't like the fact that you don't know where you're going until you pick them up. You know, like the Uber driver when they would pick up somebody, they immediately then learn okay where are we headed, and the app updates, and now well, you, you, you know can, you could. Yeah, my knowledge, unless they've changed that recently. Yeah, I think you know you could you select or you uh, accept a drive and then you can look at the map like the overview and then you can cancel it. Oh. Like um when we were in New Orleans actually our house our Airbnb was actually about 20 minutes away from the city. So, you know, 
if you were in the area that were like the neighborhood we were in, like it was like a 20, 20 bucks for a ride. But then if you want to go to the city, it's about 150 bucks. Mm. So who's going to leave the city if you're an Uber driver? Right? You want to stay there. So we had a lot of canceled. Maybe that was an update on it. Because I remember yeah. hopping in Ubers a while back where they were like, you could see the like panic on their face. They're like, oh God, we're headed to here. And they're like, you know, and they're, and there's and one lady flat told me, she's like, well, I got to pick up my son from school at this time. Do you think I can get back in time? And so it was like I almost inconvenienced her by simply needing a ride. And I thought, wait a minute, the drivers don't know where you're going before I hop in the car? And she was like, no. That was literally like two years ago. So it could have yeah, changed. I, I think it would change by now. But um, they've gone through a bunch of executive turnover at Uber. So, who knows? Yeah. But anyway, no, I have not thought about doing Dude, that. there was... um. Another thing, we actually got in this one Uber and, you know, we just asked him because obviously we've never been in the city before. We asked him like, hey, what's what's good to eat around here? He's like, oh, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You're not from the neighborhood? He's like, um, no, it's my my first time here. It's like, what? It's like, yeah, I've been here for about a week. <laughs> like, dude, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, it's actually my first day doing Uber. We're like, oh, my God. We, he was He literally drove on the wrong side of the road for a good 10 minutes just going down the street and people were like honking at him we're like what's going on he's like this guy pulls up next to us and he's like you're on the wrong side of the road he's like oh it's like oh my god this guy's gonna kill us not even from america uh, yeah he was like came from, to the country just to drive for that event. he was literally from turkey or something that is crazy but um yeah i mean mardi gras is insane like 150 dollars for an uber that's why i asked because like i mean charlotte's not that big of a city not that many events happening but man if we're in new orleans that would have been it oh for sure yeah but um yeah anyway you know parker doesn't have any sign-offs but uh parker thanks for being on the show again hey thanks so much yeah and uh guys i gotta go through my usual spiel like always if you are new listeners and you liked what you heard uh i try and post every monday you can check this one out uh the following monday from this day that I'm recording right now on Saturday. It'll actually be, what was that, April 1st? Yeah, it's April 1st. What a joke. But um, anyway, you know, like like I was just telling Parker, I'm everywhere. iTunes, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find me if you can't to let me know. Um, and for the regular listeners, thank you guys so much for the continued support. It's been awesome. And, you know, my uh, usual sign-off. Thank you so much for listening. Have an amazing day. Uh, Get out there, get hungry, and good luck.